Good morning! Oh my gosh, how are you doing, Help Everything is a Mess? Ah, that's the name I put in cast. You know why? Because at the moment I was logging in to um, cast to record this, I was also staving off a client in Russia. I was also um, losing my friend on the phone. The one hater, my one, your one hater, Elsie, is one of my best friends um, who lives close to me. And I was inviting her for Rosh Hashanah dinner. Man, she, I think she's the only person in the world (laughs) that, that does not appreciate like your many, many charms and wonderful qualities. (laughs) I swear. I've never met anyone. I've never met anyone. I am like you for any reason. How do you say it when you? Oh my gosh! What did what was my my philosophy teacher? Oh, he would open up like every time he would start to his session, no matter what it was. I'm as many years as I took his workshops. As soon as he got in front of the class, he would just say like, just to let you guys know, I am an acquired taste. <laughs> so You're not though. People I fucking think... love you. They can't stand me. Usually, it's me. Well, people hate. It's well, the, the thing that <laughs> I'm very like... unused to it. There's a there's a level of there's a level of being acquired, an acquired taste, you know? I mean, there's times when like people rub me the wrong way and you're like, "Why?" and I'm like, "I don't know." Oh, that's different. I totally know why. I always know why people rub you the wrong way and there's like one person in the world. No. That rubs but... you the wrong way. If anyone wants to guess who it is, it's no. not John Lee Dumas. You'll never guess. It doesn't even matter. But the point is, this is the one. You know why I think she doesn't like you. This is why I think. Imagine me, but snarkier and judgier and more fiercely loyal and protective of me. That's her. Oh my God. So every time you and I, I know she's also hilarious, but and warm and wonderful and generous and giving and all these other things. But she is like the snarkiest, like ready to pounce kind of friend that you could ever have and so when she when you and i are even have like a slight disagreement she's like damn that elsie oh my god (laughs) so ridiculous and i'm like listen it's okay for us to be different she's ridiculous you know and i'm like oh just stop it jealous much she's not i don't think she's jealous oh i think she i think it's just like I don't think she's jealous. I really don't. She's not jealous. I also want to say that, um, I mean, she's probably the only person out of these these people that listen, so I can say this. She married um, um, a Jewish doctor whose last name is Brilliant. So she's literally Mrs. Brilliant. And and that's she married a, Dr. And she married She married Dr. Brilliant. That's, yeah. that's cool. Oh, my God. The best part. Her middle name should be not. No, but her dog's names uh. have been Izzy, Miso. She does the best dog names ever because uh, oh. there's like Miso Brilliant, Izzy Brilliant, Sorta Brilliant. <laughs> anyway. Oh, my God. All right. But that's so, a killer not... last name. What? I said her next dog's going to be Elsie's Not. No, it's not going to be <laughs> Elsie's Not. She doesn't hate Elsie that much, but she just it's just hilarious. Um, that would be kind of like a pseudo love, though, to name your dog that because you'd have to be saying my name all the time. Yeah, so that's why I'm help. Everything is a mess. Also, it's the um, beginning of the Jewish holiday tonight, and when we're recording, I, when we're recording, not when this airs. Yeah, just to not, be clear, no, like sundown is the Jewish holiday, but but I thought I was having a dinner for like sixteen. It ends up just being for eight. But meanwhile, I have a six pound brisket in the oven that has to sit for six hours in there. Um, I just put it in right before I got on. 
And then I have at least 12 pounds of chicken in the fridge. And like two, I bought two pounds of carrots. I mean, it's like, what, who am I, what army of Jews am I cooking for? It's like, what am I doing? What am I even doing? I mean, yeah. What am I even doing? Uh, I don't know. So, so I have all this food. I wish you guys could come over. John, do you want to come over for Rosh Hashanah? When's that tonight? Yeah. (laughs) I can't tonight. I have a couple of meetings. I I can't, but but thank you. You're welcome. She'll have food uh, left over, John. It she sounds delicious. She'll, she'll like send you some food. I'll come over oh, later. Actually, for a plate. you guys, it's so funny because my friend, who we were just talking about, said, just sent me a text that said, "Listening to Monday's podcast in Wegmans." <laughs> uh, <laughs> love it. Oh, not to listen to next week's. <laughs> we uh, were just discussing you. Yeah, no, so she knows, and not in a good so way. No, it isn't oh, a good yeah. way. Why would you say that? I love her more than life. She's the best friend ever. I'm protecting Elsie. Don't. You don't need to protect. First of all, you don't need to protect her. Oh, she's lovely. My friend is lovely. Don't say her first name. Um. All right. So, yeah. So brisket. Today's brisket and chicken day. And happy new year to you. Happy Jew year. Happy Jew year. It's, it's um 5778. That is the year. That's the non-Christ year, if you will. What do what you do like, like exciting? Right. No, no, no. But like, what do you do? Like, do you have like... Other that so Rosh Hashanah is at sundown. Is there any other stuff that goes along with celebrations? Yes. Okay. Yes. So the whole idea is to have a sweet New Year. So the tradition is to dip apples in honey and have a sweet New Year. So the meal does not is not you can't you shouldn't have anything sour for the meal. So like some people forget this and they put like a like a like a plate of pickles out and stuff, but it's sweet and sour brisket. It's apricot chicken. My husband's going to make glazed carrots. Um, I am going to do roasted potatoes because I need something a little savory just to balance it all out. Then honey cake for dessert. A lot of people do apple cake, apple and honey cake. It's like kind of a harvesty meal, but it can be on the sweeter side. Um, then insulin for dessert. <laughs> no um, insulin for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's basically because you're supposed to be starting the year, you know, so that you have a sweet new year. And then everyone usually goes to synagogue, but not me because we don't have a synagogue. And then services are all day tomorrow, which we're not going to go to. And then usually all day the next day, which we're not going to go to. But as a kid, I did. I would had to go. And then between now and Yom Kippur. You're supposed to be what they call inscribed in the book of life. So basically, God is watching to make sure that you belong in heaven. If you were to, I think it's if you were to possibly die between now and next year, you'll go to heaven. So you get to be inscribed in the book of life. So you kind of have to behave between now and Yom Kippur. Then you atone for all your sins on Yom Kippur, which is the 30th, which is International Podcast Day, by the way. Oh, okay. And then um, if you've, you know, properly atoned, then hopefully you'll be inscribed and then you can hopefully have a good year. So there's been a couple of years where I haven't gone to synagogue and then bad things happen to me and I worry, like, is it because I didn't go to shul? Or, you know, it's a little bit superstition. And actually, as a kid, it's a little bit Santa's list, to be honest with you. It feels a little bit like Santa's list, like if you're naughty or nice. Oh, it's a little bit earlier. You know? Yeah, a, a, earlier yeah, in the... the new. Well, I mean, think about. It. I mean, like, so you guys are doing naughty and nice so that you get toys on Christmas. We're doing naughty and nice so that we don't die, burn in hell later, or you know, there's no hell. No, but not there's no hell. But just so you you get to go to you know you can be with God and your loved ones if you happen to pass or you know 
Just what happens if you don't? Person. What ha- if there's no hell? Where do you go? You're, you just you just go to like in. all the relatives that annoy you. You have to go to their house all day. Is that what it is? Um, I don't want to say purgatory. I guess that's how. No, it's just sort of like you just don't. You're just not invited in. They're not really. They don't not- really talk about what. It, here's the thing: in the <laughs> Jewish religion, they don't talk about the consequences. You just do. Right. You just be. You don't want to. You no, don't want to not. There's no. You don't question it. And so, right. like when when Christ came along and gave you an alternative of terribleness, uh, you know, my personal opinion is that was to sort of you know corral people into doing the right thing because they weren't. But in the Jewish world, you know, before Christ, you just fucking did it because you had to do it. There's no questioning. You don't question it ever for any reason. This is it. This is why people still keep kosher. There's no alternative. There's no what if you don't keep kosher in the Bible. They don't mention that at all. You just do it, bitches. Yeah, so there's like, you're right. It's like, it's sort of like, there's no, yeah, there's no yeah. description of like, okay, if you don't do these, if you don't do these things, then these bad things will happen. Like, just Yeah, that's just like spell asking, it out. It's what sort if of the like, sky isn't blue? Right. And you're like, oh. What do you mean? It's blue. <laughs> the Andagus. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that was generally the idea anyways. There's no what if for any reason. Well, it's it must be very calming, though, you know, because this is just what you do. So there's that. Well, I mean, there's always the question of what if you don't. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, we just don't have an answer. I mean, I mean, I'm not rabbinically equipped, you know, educationally equipped to know what the answer is. I don't know. Scott probably knows. He was confirmed. I wasn't. So I don't know. But I mean, my understanding is that there is no what if. There's no. Anyway, it's 10 minutes of Jewishness. Time to move on, shall Ten we? My God. 10 minutes of Jewishness. That's, oh that's enough God. even for me. I've already, and uh, now I've been to Shoal for the year. This is my synagogue right now telling you people about it. Okay, well, good. Um, yeah, done. so I hope that everyone listening has a sweet new year. I mean, and I often do feel like the fall um, is a type of new year because classes start, summer's over, new teacher, new beginnings, new harvest, you know, new, you know, it feels like a new year to me anyway. So it's kind of nice. It's definitely a big transition, which is, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, Oh my God! Um, but we have changing been... the subject now. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, look, we have a transition <laughs> that's added to the thing. Yeah, but we wait. Have we have some a... feedback. I just Did wanted we? to let you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have some feedback, some personal feedback. I was talking to a client who lives in the UK, and he has a new co-host. And so I was telling him about our relationship a little bit, and he started listening to the show. And then I had like a, a little recap with him last night. And so if you're listening, hi Fran. But anyway, he. <laughs> He does the Barcelona podcast, and it's all about <gasps> Barcelona. I love Barcelona so much. I know. I know. I know. I think it's sports, though, so I'm not sure Aww. you would love it this much. But yes, he was born in Barcelona, and so you said something. John, I have to ask you something. When Elsie, when you did that clip last week where she said, you suck, you guy, and then I said what I said, did you leave that in? Oh, no. You took it out? Yeah. Something Elsie said last week made him laugh so hard he had to pull over because he almost got in an accident. Oh, my God. And it was something you said, which made me think, I wonder if she said, you suck, you guy. And then I said, you like, you suck, you guy. What I said by accident. Yeah. You suck, you guy. Or maybe you got mad about something, Elsie. I don't know. But whatever it was, he said he almost got, he almost, he was laughing so hard he was crying. Oh, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I love that one. <laughs> 
Well, you never, I don't know. Well, see, wasn't I talking about I that? How we were talking about being funny and that sometimes I'm funny and I don't know what I'm funny. Like, you guys are funny, like, kind of on yes, purpose, and I'm that's funny what I not. I said to him, on I purpose. said, you, yeah, I said, you need someone who doesn't know they're funny. I said, and I even said to him, I'm like, the question is, are either one of you funny? Right. And he was like, I can be funny sometimes. I'm like, well, then you have to do what I do with Elsie. You have to push. <laughs> Try and be funny. See how they react. If it's positive, keep pushing until you get to the point where they don't think it's funny anymore. Like, I know Elsie's limits, I think. <laughs> I might. I mean, I've, and I've definitely pushed you. I've definitely pushed you. Like, when it comes to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I, I mean, I pushed you to the point where you're just like, okay, it's funny. Stop talking about it. <laughs> you know? Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. I love it when Elsie gets uncomfortable. Like you could tell, you can almost feel it. It's my favorite. No, yes, it is. I hate it. It's my favorite, <laughs> but also it, I'm not going to do it, but I'm just saying, all right, take it easy, lemon squeezy. Um, <laughs> it's good, but like, but I can't, but I don't want her to sit in that state for too long. And so sometimes like this is kind of a lesson actually in like co-hosting, if you feel like you're, you don't know your co-host that well, like in their case, like they, like he chose this co-host because of his amazing knowledge and, and resource. And, and, and he does genuinely like, they like each other, but they don't know each other that well. And you and I didn't either when we first started co-hosting, but I'm just naturally obnoxious. And so there were times when I was like, I mean, I, I grew a pair and you would say something and I'd be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean you drove in a van with six cats? <laughs> Let's go back to that. Like you would just blear, you'd breeze right by things that you said. Like, re- like remember when I first realized how you traveled to, to um, I don't even remember where, to Dallas. It was like four stops first you gotta go Wait, to no, Pittsburgh. we didn't go to Dallas oh yes that's right where it was like yeah like I, you went to <laughs> I had like so many stops it was insane I think that was the year that I was pregnant and so you drove 10 hours to Pittsburgh and then had three plane stops to get to Dallas it was crazy. got there late took a shot meanwhile Scott sprung for me to go first class because I was pregnant we took a shuttle to the airport flew there got off the plane that was my whole trip oh and my you're like God. eight cats in a van with two children under four. And I was like, fuck that. What? Yeah. And you just were like, yep, this is normal life. <laughs> That's well, the kind of stuff where it's like, you have to really hear, listen for the stuff that is odd and then, you know, make fun of it. Well, see that. But the thing is though, you have to be really, we have to be good at that too. And you have, you have to have such a, True. a really good sense of confidence. Um, meaning in, for your skill set. Not necessarily like you're you're like so like the the shit you know, but you're like you, you just have to have a, a sense of understanding. When I listen to some conversations from let's say other podcasts that are interview shows or things like that, and there's such a lead in, like somebody answers in such a way that you're like, oh, that's really interesting, and then the person kind of goes, okay. Oh All right, God. so um, that's a nightmare. There's another, and you're like, what, what, what? And so <laughs> it's just so yeah. Ah, it drives me crazy. Uh, that's yeah. a nightmare. So yeah, Wolf. yeah. But so, but also, there's the mixture because I think I've talked about this to somebody else as well that you can't like. I'm not sure it would work. So what? Like we've we've said this. I don't know if having double Jesses or double Elsies would work in terms of chemistry. I mean, Ramona and I just recorded our first episode of Fat Lip, and 
I assumed a natural chemistry with her and we do have good chemistry. However, we don't have a rhythm the way that you and I do. And I think we'll get there. I don't think it'll take long, but what I was telling Fran yesterday is like, he was mentioning how like you and I very naturally and easily interrupt each other. or It sounds natural. And I was like, no, what actually happens is we'll say something because it does. I mean, but we don't actually interrupt each other. If you listen, right. I mean, that's, that's rare. What actually happens is I pause. And then if you don't say anything, I continue. But I do give you a reaction moment. Like I, you know what I mean? Or, or yeah. I'll say something like that. Do you know what I mean? Or I'll say, don't you think? And invite the other person to sort of pop in. And you kind of do it for me. Like you'll make a statement. And then if it's quiet, you'll keep going. And if it's not quiet, I'll pop in. And I so think it sounds like a natural rhythm. And it's actually something I think we do subconsciously. Yeah, but also from the from the perspective of like understanding also all of the other stuff that happens when you're podcasting, which is somebody put the mute button on. Uh, you dropped out. You didn't quite hear it. You know, right. you know what I mean? There's all of these right. these little bits of X factor that are put in there. And I think that it does come from the ability for you to to kind of be attuned to somebody else's in, in conversation. And this is a skill set that I feel that we have and we also need to develop as podcasters. Now, if you don't have it, because there are times when, like, I don't feel that, like, I feel like when I do the feed with Rob, it is a much more challenging thing where I annoy myself because my fillers are usually this. <laughs> oh my god giggle, giggle giggle and i'm like oh my god because it's not the kind of conversation like what the kind of conversation that we're having right now is very back and forth it's sort of like you can have something that you can say yeah yeah that's right or ooh, you know something that's normal whereas some of the things that we talk about on the feed are so technical that there's oh no there's no you can't just go like well yeah that's that's right like that's about the only you can respond with because some of it might also be John. I was just going like, to say I didn't know if I, I was going to peel this curtain back or not. Yeah, no, no, no. Shall I? It, Shall I? No, I, I'm good. I'll peel it back for you, John. Yeah, I feel think it, some feel of it. it also is like just now. Elsie was like, "Yeah, but yeah, but I, you know, I think either he's taking that out or he waits for me to pause, then puts that part in, then goes back to me talking. Like you're moving the audio." So that it doesn't sound like we're talking over one another. I'm guessing. Is that right? All of that. So what yeah, happens yeah. is what I'll do is usually like Elsie will start talking and then halfway into Elsie's sentence, Jess will come in and go, but you know what's going on here? <laughs> and then Elsie yields the floor to Congresswoman Jess and Jess goes on. So when Elsie does that, she, there's not really a sentence there. So I cut that out. Now, if Elsie starts to say something and she gets a halfway decent sentence out and you come in, what I'll do is I'll cut that and time shift it where Elsie starts talking and then she she makes a point and I'll move that. Or if you both talk at the same time, I listen to each track and see which one is actually interesting and then the other one goes. So that's what happens. So actually, to be honest with you, in the raw form, there's a lot of talking over each other. But in the edited form, it sounds like you guys are just blowing, like riffing on each other. There's something yeah. to be said about the magic of editing. Speaking of that, I think that's a good segue. Yeah, right? But go ahead. What were you going to say? That it's really lovely to be able to have somebody that understands that flow. Mind you, that doesn't have to do with audio production, right? 
worked on, if I were to like put a label on it, on it, that doesn't have to do with audio production. That has to do with more about sort of like content production from the editing sa- standpoint, where you are cleaning up the actual content and conversation so that it can better be understood versus working on the audio so that the audio sounds better. Yes. Those are two completely different things. Yes. You know, a lot of people think that you can give an audio file to an editor and then they can do like this, all this magic. Uh, there's only certain am- am- amount of processing that you can do. I always say audio processing is like makeup. You know, a little bit will really enhance the beauty of something. Too much has the opposite effect. So if you have real bad audio in the beginning, then if you have to process that, it, it actually has a, an adverse effect. So the best thing to do is try to get the cleanest audio that you can. Then the hardest thing to do is to podcast like we're podcasting right now because we don't see each other. We're just sitting here, and as soon as somebody goes to think and there's a, an opening, the other person jumps in. Matter of fact, a lot of times you're sitting there and you're waiting for a spot. Okay, as soon as they stop talking, I'm going to say what I want to say. Now, if you're going back and forth and you talk over each other, it's not that bad as long as one knows how to yield and, and one knows you know when to go on or something like that. But if you're going to work with an editor, I think the biggest key is communication with the editor, like when you're going to send something to them. Most editors that I know don't cut content. You won't give them an hour and a half of content and say, okay, give me an hour show. Because a lot of times we don't know anything about the subject that you're talking about. So how would we know what to cut, what's good and what's not good? That's not really our forte. You know, we'll take out the ums. We'll clean everything up. We'll take out the spaces. We can move if there's some talk over, if there's some trail off or something like that we can do. But basically, when you work with an editor, the best thing to do is be able to communicate with them. In the very beginning, that's key. As you move along, the editor will almost become so ingrained in the show that he knows exactly what you want. He doesn't have to ask. But in the beginning, the best part about it is communication between the editor and the host, I would say. So I've been working with a few clients here and there, you know, and I've come to obviously there's a certain level of way that I've done things the whole time. Right. So I have a skill set of being able to put fairly decent audio, perhaps better on the higher level of like quality than most people. Now, whenever you're starting out and you have like a podcast that's coming out and you don't have any skill in the realm of audio production, you now figured out how to record, let's say a conversation, because that's generally what people move into. So you are using some kind of third party like we are using right now in cast, or maybe you're doing just plain old Skype or Zoom because a lot of people are using Zoom because <sighs> it is actually the easiest. Well, th- before we talk quality, though, John, because this is the conundrum. <laughs> okay. This is the conundrum. There's people who really the skill set that's involved to getting it done is really or the lifestyle of having to set up all of these things simply is going to make it a deal breaker. So it's either Zoom or nothing. Like there's not there's no in between, right? Because of the way that things are set up at the moment. And the reason that I'm saying this is because it's the in the post production that the challenge arises. Meaning that if someone is recording like uh, and cast, and you want to kind of optimally do it, you would essentially have to add a little bit more time to the editing process after you get the files. Am I correct? Or does it give you a mixed file as well? Or does it give you the two files only? For cast, you everybody gets their own file. You have a file. I have a file. 
Jess has a file. Right. So I have, and, and we're not in the same room, so there's no feedback. There won't be any crossover in voice unless your headphones are so loud and it bleeds into your mic. But like, you know, if you're going to do an interview show like that, you know, like I said, the hardest thing and things are changing by the month. I mean, right now, iOS 11 is going out and pretty soon, I, I think they're talking about where cast, you can use cast now via iPhone. I know, and once that happens, so cool. it'll break everything wide open. But you're right. There are some times when you have to use, I guess a lot of people like to use Skype for a phone call, like yeah. they'll call with Skype. And then you can record both sides with a call recorder. That works. But the best thing to do if you're going to give something to an editor is try to isolate the tracks where you're on one track, your guest is on another track. That's the best way to be able to take out stuff, like if you're sniffing or whatever. And to be honest with you, the best thing you can do for audio quality is learn good mic technique. If you're so far off of the mic when you're talking, you're going to bring up that background noise into the recording, and it's going to be hard to take that out of there. You know, you usually want to put your four fingers up and you want your four fingers that far away from your microphone. And you want to be on a 45 degree angle from your microphone. That way you're not popping right into the microphone. You're kind of, your plosives are going past the microphone. You're not popping into the microphone. But a lot of people will take that stand, that mic stand they get with the ATR 2100, and they'll put that on the desk in front of them and they'll use that. And that's way too far away, way too far away. You need to get a better stand that'll bring the mic closer to you. And that'll give you, that'll improve your audio quality 100% just by using good mic technique. So adding, Jess, I'm going to put you on the spot here with, um, you know, when you did Lady with Business Radio, what was your workflow? At the beginning, when I was doing the work, I would record with the person on Skype and hope that it sounded good. And I would take the call, pull it into GarageBand I had a pre-produced with a voiceover artist beginning of the show. I would attach that to the beginning. I would attach the outro to the end. I would mix an MP3 and I would put it in Libsyn. <laughs> I did not take out one M, one um, one uh, one sneeze, one cough. I don't even think I listened to it. I just took the call. Sometimes the calls, I mean, like people would say, oh, I think the first five minutes were cut off. I wouldn't have known because I didn't have time to worry about it. But- well, see, but see, even that though, Jess, you put it in GarageBand and you had like an intro and an outro. And yes. and I think what I'm starting to, to kind of get the sense of here is that there are people who can't really do that. And I feel that what's happening is there's some people who are outsourcing that. So let's say you have super low quality interaction, like conversation with somebody. I want to hear how bad it is. Oh, lady business radio. Um, yeah, I just want to pick like a random episode and see how terrible it is. I'm just curious. But what I'm saying is that there's a lot of people that have already pretty sad quality in terms of the content itself, meaning the quality of the content. And all they would yeah. really need to do is they want to do what you're doing. So the super simple thing, they just want to like sandwich it. They, w- they want an intro and an outro out. Like they don't really do much. But... They don't even have the time to do that because they haven't figured out how to do the intro outro bit. So they outsource that. And I think that that's wasted money. Like I think that if you're not going to do all the other stuff and you just want to sandwich it, you got to figure out that first bit to put the intro and the outro on yourself so that you can save yourself some money. It's the easy, It would be the easiest thing to just 
put it out well, if you're not editing. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. John Lee Dumas taught me how to do that with his audio book, Five Bucks, in uh, Amazon. There's also Steve Stewart also has an Audacity, Audacity editing free, right. yeah. Yeah. free course. Yeah. Maybe we should look that up and throw that in the show notes. Yeah. And then and maybe then, I can do a quick video. Oh, my gosh. And also, Jen Eads, she has two YouTube videos for free that I'll yeah. show you that, too. And we so, have a free – I don't know if we show We don't do editing. Band, do we? we don't do editing on our show. Yeah, I mean, we do right. have – you know, if you buy the entire course, then you do get the GarageBand thing but and the Skype thing. Yeah. Which you do get that information, but for the free course, we just essentially tell you what to use. We don't we don't give you how to. The tip. That's use right. It. That's right. You want to hear a little lady business radio? Yeah, let's hear it. How bad is it? You got into podcasting <laughs> because most yoga peeps are not oh my God, technically is that me? savvy, not interested in tech. They no. just sort of like, um, you know, center themselves and then go home and juice, right? right? So, like, right. why are you different? What What makes you? Well, well, no, no, no. Well, I think that. one of the reasons or is is the that. fact that I got into podcasting because it of it is you, my need for performance. Because I am a Muppet. I mean, we've already discussed this. <laughs> so there's a quality of of entertainment that comes out of me somehow, right? Yeah. And and what's the the you challenge with, than me. with me was always the fact that I look a specific. You know why? It's all mic technique. To be quite honest with you. Yep, yep. That was an old mic too. That was before I had the ATR. I was using a snowball and it was awful. But, it was awful. I mean, to be honest with you, that's not that is not bad at all. That audio quality really wasn't bad. I mean, if no, you'd have ran that through some processing, you could have used a uh, you know an audio leveler, and you could have brought your voice up. It would have been better. But that's yeah. not really bad at all. And that was back in May twenty seventh, two thousand and fifteen. That was the and- last Lady Business Radio. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, part of the reason I didn't want to do any editing is because my first attempt at doing a show was a video show. And it took me four hours to edit a one hour interview into a half hour show because I was trying to be too clever with like um, a, you know, like a green screen and little notes flying across, like talking about what people were, you know, like I was trying to be funny. And so I was doing a lot of video fun and it took me forever to edit it. And so when I started an audio show, it was because I didn't want to edit anymore. And I thought, well, this will prevent me from over um, fussing. I'll just talk and then I'll put it on live and hope for the best. So the whole purpose of this podcast was not to edit it anyway. And you'll notice I still don't do it. Mm -hmm. When we first started our show, Elsie decided to do it because I was like, just put it up. And she was like, no, no, we have to edit it and we have to do this and we have to do that. And I was like, no, we don't put it up. It's fine. And I, and I still don't do it because I I know that I'll obsess. So I'm not going to lie. Editing's tedious. It's very tedious, and you have to. F- and you have to be no offense, an anal retentive nutbag. Yeah, like you. Thank you. Yes. And see, here's the other thing too. It's like after doing when I did the audiobook, what it also gave me was like it, it gave me forty hours of editing. Like now I have that under my belt. So then being able to sit down and figure out real quick solutions for things workflows. It saved my butt. I mean, there's a couple of things that I didn't even know Amadeus Pro did that all of a sudden I figured out in the pro I was doing things differently. I was like splitting, like I was splitting tracks. Like if I needed to remove space, what I was doing was I split the track where the space began. I split the track where the space ended. I would highlight the middle part and then I would delete and then move the files together. That's what I was doing, which was like taking me forever. And I was like, I was getting carpal tunnel on my hand. I'm like, what the hell? And so one time I was just like, 
what if I just highlight and delete? Like I would, like you would if you were just typing, you know, on like a mm-hmm. regular, and it did it. Oh my God. I was like, <gasps> highlight, delete. It was the easiest thing. It's like highlight, delete, highlight, delete. And then I found out that you could also do the opposite, which you could highlight, copy and, and paste, and you could just add things in right in between. <laughs> I was like, well, oh my God, mind blown. Yeah. If I have a single track, I have this little trick. It's called a quarter second of goodness. So, oh, here's another thing. For, if you're going to send stuff to your editor, give a five second silence in the beginning of the track and a five second silence at the end of the track with just the room ambient noise. It's like a noise floor so that they can use that. And if you're going to process it, the, the, the process, the pro- processing program takes that ambient floor noise and uses it. So what I'll do is I'll take a quarter second of that ambient room noise and then I highlight and I have a shortcut on my key, which is Z because I'm right handed. So my mouse hand is my right hand and Z is on the left hand. So what I do is I highlight Z, highlight Z, highlight mm-hmm. Z. And that's how I go through and I cut out like if somebody's rambling and talking or coughing or whatever, I just highlight that. I just paste in that quarter second of goodness and all that stuff is gone. You don't have to like how long is this going to be? And it works out so much better better that way you can't do that on the multi you know in a multi-track recording but if you're going to do it in a single track that works real well yeah i was very pleased so anyway that gave me a lot of hours and a lot of tips to be able to do that the problem is though i'm with jess in terms of like if i was taking over this show and i was doing the editing for the show i probably would do of course i would cut out things that are crazy like we have to stop or somebody opens the door and all that kind of stuff and i would take that stuff out and i would do maybe a little bit of like cutting out of spaces or too long of a pause i would do that but i don't think that i would go longer than that because it like that would be way too much time of my time and then but i feel that i should do that more for the feed for my other show because i think there would be so much time given back to our listeners if I did that but there's times where I'm like I don't have it's like I'm like I I'm just putting the stuff out it takes me so it takes me 10 hours to get an episode out of that show because of all of the bits and pieces that go along with it so and the length of the show it's an hour and a half and usually it's actually an hour and about 10 to 50 an hour and 45 minutes because I take out a bunch of stuff because we do make mistakes a lot. So I have to do a lot of content editing. And once I'm done with the content editing, I don't want to do refinement stuff. I'm just like, okay, I'm done with that. But if I do see like a space visually, if I look at something and I see a bunch of dead air, I will then go to that and delete it and just Let me get ask it out. you a quick question about GarageBand. Do they have like a marker where you can leave a marker? Because I know you can leave yeah, a marker so. in Audacity, and I know you yeah. can leave a marker in Addition. I'm so sure. what I do is if I'm rolling by, like I do all the sniffs and teeth sucks and and all that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. I, I roll and go through all that. And then if I'm listening and I feel like there's something that I might want to take out, if they're rambling too long or something like that, I'll drop a marker as I'm going. And then I'll go. And then I can go back to that where I'm like, okay, I'm going to cut this content out. And then I can find two spots, move the two markers, and then cut that content out but i'm usually somewhere between five to ten seconds ahead of the speaker in the track because i can see the arms and the breaths and all that kind of stuff you can almost see when there's going to be a mistake because all of a sudden the audio the waveform gets all kind of crazy 
And then you say, oh, what's going on here? So you wait for the player to catch up, and then you find out what you have to do there. But I find out that I just let it roll and get all that stuff out, and I just drop running markers as I go along. If I hear them like talking or something happens, if the, someone opens the door and starts talking, I hit a marker, and I just let it roll until they get back to it. Then I drop another marker. Then I can roll back to the beginning of the time and then grab that and take it out. It's a lot faster than trying to, where was that? Where did it start? Where did that stop? That kind of thing. I don't know if you could do that in GarageBand. Yeah, I usually don't do my editing in GarageBand. I do it in Amadeus Pro. I do everything. I compile in GarageBand. Com- you know, GarageBand I can't is like hear my. You say that without thinking Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> um, I don't know how you deal with that. Does I that did the not same thing. ever happen to you? Oh, good. You, you know the song. I did. Every I know time the song. she says Amadeus Pro, I do the. I do the same thing. I'm like Amadeus, Amadeus. Yeah. I can't I stop myself. Thing. It's a disease. Mm-hmm. Truly. All right, sorry. I Go don't ahead. do it. Sorry. I guess I see it so much that I don't. I don't ever say the name of the program. I just go to it. But I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to do it. I'll do. I'll be dropping some markers in there. It's just that now what I do is whenever I have to input a new, like let's say we break for something and I have to insert audio feedback mm-hmm. or something, what I insert is not a marker. I actually insert spaces or space silence. Because then I can visually really quickly see it and I can just call because that's when I pull it into GarageBand, I already have the complete file and then I can look at it and see the space. Maybe a marker would actually work like that too, but. Well, it depends. You have to, first you have to see if the marker will transfer from. Oh, yeah. From one to the other. Maybe that's why I did it. I know that there was a reason why I wanted something visually to transfer. So I was like, hmm, Okay. Yeah, I haven't used Amadeus, Amadeus, Amadeus <laughs> Pro yet. Uh, and there's a oh, couple. Oh, I mean, there's oh, a bunch oh, of them out there. Reaper, uh, Hindenburg. I never wanted to use a program that was named after a, a blimp that crashed because that whole crashing thing makes me nervous. But I hear that's really good. So there's a bunch of them out there. And then, again, when I was in the elevator business, every program basically does the same thing as every other program. You just have to learn the language that they use to do that. Yeah. So like every elevator company had their own little twist to it, but basically it all did the same. Once you figured out the language and you could translate it, then you were, you're good to go. So it doesn't matter what program you use. I love Audition because I grew up on it and you know I can do everything that I need to do on it. And I can't use GarageBand. I, I'm terrible at GarageBand. I think it's what you learn and what you know. There's so many videos out on YouTube and different places where you can – they have tricks and tips and stuff like that that you can go. Just invest some time, and I think it will help your your workflow. Yeah, and I think that that's a problem sometimes whenever – what happens to me when I'm consulting with people or, or coaching people is that it is really challenging to be able to – for me to know – to go like, oh, my gosh, this would be the greatest tool if you used this – this tool would actually work for you very well. I'm sorry that I can't help you because I don't use that tool. But I, you know, like when I'm, when I'm working with people who are on Windows machines, that's really mm-hmm. tough for me because I don't really have, I don't know the ecosystem. So I can't give them my hacks. And, and I don't know if that will translate or how that will translate to somebody else. So that's when I start to rely on things like Audacity. But I don't know Audacity enough. And I've tried I totally tried to do it, and I just haven't been able to. I don't want to. It's like part of me, I'm like, I don't want to learn a new language. I already know this language. Somebody else needs to know this language so that they can teach my people because I don't want to learn. 
Right. I'm, I'm with you, too, because so many people say to me, how do I do this on, you know, Hindenburg Pro or and I'm like, I, I wouldn't know. I, I don't have it. I don't use it. And the same thing with Reaper. A lot of people swear by Reaper. And, you know, I go in there and I mess around with it. I'm like, I start to try to play with it. And I'm like, why am I wasting my time here? I could be doing so many other things. I already know how to use an audio editing program. Why am I going to learn this? I mean, if I was going to teach it as a course, that's a different story, but I'm not. So I just stick with audition. And to be honest with you, okay, maybe I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit here. It's expensive. You know, what, Reaper uh, or audition? No, audition because you have to pay for it every yeah. month. So it's expensive, but it does so much. Yeah. To me, it's worth the money, especially with the amount of editing that I do. Yeah. So, John, if somebody were coming, like, let's say somebody would like to hire an editor and they're like, I think I need help. I need to hire an editor. Can you give me like three tips that they need to have ready for themselves before they even go to reach out to people? Well, I think if you're having an issue, you just want to offload it. You're done. It's taking too much time. I think the best thing to do is go and listen to the shows that they already edit and see what they sound like. Again, right now, editors are kind of like landscapers. They're all over the place. There's more of them coming into the space every day. More people are saying, hey, how can I get clients to edit? And you have to find somebody that's been doing it for a while and that can answer your questions. Uh, I think the best thing to do is have somebody that's a podcaster because they are going to know your pain points and do your homework. There's a ton of people out there that edit. There's a Facebook group that's called Podcasters Editing Hangout. And uh, there's tons of people in there that are learning how to edit, that edit, that edit for other people. And I'm sure you can find something there. I, you know, I always laugh because whenever somebody goes into a podcasting Facebook group and says, I need an editor, it's like someone threw popcorn in the park and here comes the pigeons. They all <laughs> fly in and like, oh, I'll do it. I can do it for this. I can do it for that. And, you know, again, you might get burnt, but you want somebody that is a podcaster, has clients, you can go listen to the show and that way you can find, you know, whether you like the way they edit or not. I'm just glad that I don't have to do that. It's very daunting. There's so many choices. It's crazy. It's kind of like microphones. Like, I wish there was like, that's why you guys that are listening for right now, at least get in with John, because we can definitely say audioeditingsolutions.com. Because it's so much easier to get like one answer versus what microphone do you use? And all of a sudden you have like 20 people telling you all of the stuff. And then you're like, ah, I don't know. They'll say, use the AR, the ATR 2100. No, don't use that. Use the, uh, the blue Yeti. No, no don't, don't use, use that. that. Exactly. Use this, get this one. And again, you have to have a little bit of knowledge. You have to do some of the homework by yourself, but there are, you know, besides me, there are a lot of other great editors out there. Can I mention names? Can yeah, I give, of course. Sure. Can Go I give for it, names? Dude. Sure. Okay. So there's Daryl Darnell, who's uh, Pro Podcast Solutions. Uh, there's Podfly. There's Christy Hauser, and I can't think of the name of her. Team What's Podcast. Christy? Team Podcast. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. Carrie Green also does editing. He does a good job. That's Podcast Fast Track. So there's a bunch of them out there that you could use that I would recommend. And it's not just me, but there's other guys out there that are doing it and doing a, a really good job. Yeah. You guys, we'll have them in the show notes uh, for you guys because it's just so great to be able to st- at least start to to search or, or reach out to these guys first and then have a conversation. And if it doesn't work out, they, I'm sure, are able to help you out, too, in terms of like, well, then you need to go here or, you know, they can outsource it to somebody who will best fit 
whatever it is that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would stay away from Fiverr. For editing, to be honest with yeah, you. it's a little. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, there's a lot, and again, I guess there's other places that overseas that'll do it for a lot cheaper than people that are U.S. based. But then again, sometimes they just like disappear, like they're boop, they're gone, and boop. then you don't know where they are and where your stuff is. And you know, I would just try to find an established uh, editing service. That's, I guess, you could get some from you know overseas, but you just want somebody that's not. You know, in a, a place like a, a five or, I mean, I would just be careful there. Well, thank you, John, for all of that information. Yeah, so helpful. We really appreciate that. I have a, a really quick tip here from, I guess, Dave Jackson, which I think is really lovely. And this kind of falls into maybe pet peeves, maybe a little. But um, he just wrote on his Facebook page. Oh, don't yeah, take I fun. saw that this morning. Yeah, don't take podcasting advice from your email provider. Seriously, bad advice. And I guess uh, I'm calling you out, ConvertKit. I don't work with you or for you or anything, but come on, dude, or lady or whatever. But it seems like all of the advice that was given here is uh, not good, like at all. Um, <laughs> like it's just leading people wrong. And it's and it's very, very frustrating because it seems like people that that write these write them for SEO versus the actual information that's necessary to be putting out there. Uh, meaning that the way that they do research is by essentially writing the same thing of another high-ranking SEO article on podcasting versus actually doing the work. It's kind of like us writing an article on email marketing. Um, I mean, meaning being a hey, business. I on, know about email no, marketing. I know. I'm not talk, talking about email. Sorry, I, the wrong thing. On how to set up an email marketing business as in like, how to run an, the actual email yes, server all right. versus not just the marketing part, but how to run like something like ConvertKit or Infusionsoft, how to get started at that. Like if we decided yeah. we were going to write an article on that, that would probably suck because we don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, okay, you win. But it's just not okay. So anyway, I just wanted to put that in there. So please don't follow your email provider's tips on how to start a podcast because it's not very smart people agree <sighs> so what about these new lips and stats oh my god how's that going all right so yes there I was know. a change oh you here guys. we go i know it's kind of crazy so lips in. as of like you know whenever our the she podcast show dropped last monday we have been we released or lips and released a new update to the stat system which is in compliance with iab um uh, kind of like uh what they want to be putting out there in terms of the way that they feel this i think we've talked about it a lot of different times haven't we Jess? i mean when this mm-hmm. came out the, com- the sort of like iab compliance and what that means it's been out for a while because it was sort of com- it came together with discussion with a lot of the providers. So this was not something that all of a sudden the IAB themselves came up with. It's just that right. this is sort of like moving towards compliance so everybody could kind of talk the same language. Now, that said, everybody, meaning the people who are servicing podcasters in terms of hosting, did take steps and have taken steps, little bits here, little bits there, or maybe like people were like, you know, 50% compliant and they needed to work on these other things. And when we're talking about developing this in the back end, it's not something that you can all of a sudden just do 
It's sort of like, you know, iOS 11 was just released. And if you have an app that is not in, uh, up to spec with iOS, iOS 11, it's not a specific type of app, then it's not going to operate optimally with that operating system, which means you have to work a while to be able to do this. That's what happens with Libsyn. So there's been some work behind the scenes to be able to update the stats, to filter out uh, – into a different type of sort of uh, different stats are being released. So they're moving from one way of delivering the the numbers to a different way of delivering the numbers. And it has affected some people, um, some people a lot, as in like a lot, as in like a lot. And there, it has affected some people not so much. Why don't you tell them how it's been affecting them instead of just saying how much? Oh, right. Well, there are some people that have seen up to 50% decrease or possibly more of their download decrease numbers. Decrease in your download numbers. And the decrease in the download numbers. Absolutely. That's and, right. Yeah. And then it, it depends. Like it, some, Like I would say anybody who has like, for the most part, totally generalization here, anybody that has like a 30-minute podcast or less – possibly isn't seeing too much of a change. When it starts to affect you is not necessarily about how long your podcast is, but what the encoding or how large the file is. So the larger the file, the more uh, you see a change. So, and usually like, you know, if you make, um, if, if you think like, you know, if you have a two hour podcast, your file is going to be larger than an hour with a one hour podcast that obviously that kind of seems like it's that it works right but the thing is that there's been some people out there who are kind of um encoding their file in fact i saw an account uh yesterday that encodes their files at 320 kilobyte kilobits per second and that's very high which means that those file sizes are really big. And uh, how much do you encode it to, John? Is it 64, right? 64 kilobits per I second? Use, uh, yeah, I use 44100 by 60, uh, 64. Yeah. So these people were at 320. And it's... That's that's the kind of quality. And then usually the higher you encode, supposedly the better the audio quality. So, you know, meaning in the the I guess it's like it's sort of like when you're looking at images, if you have a higher, uh, bigger pixels or more pixels, it's going to look more bright and all that kind of stuff. And it won't. So it's essentially that's what they were thinking, I assume. I mean, I don't know, because I don't know anybody else who encodes at 320 kilobits per second for that's a that's a huge file. So yeah, they were delivering very large sized files and they were impacted pretty bigly. <laughs> is that a word? Well, bigly. another thing is if you're if you have a talk podcast and you don't have music and there's not a lot of different sound effects that you need stereo. I don't know why everybody actually, you know, puts their show out in stereo because it makes the file size twice as big. The She Podcast is put out a sample rate of 44,100 at um, 64 kilobits per second and mono. And the file size for your last show was 32.2 kilobytes or mega, two, 32.2 megabytes is what the last She Podcast was. 
Now, if I would have done that in stereo, it's 64.4. So now if you're doing a two-hour show and you're using, you know, 128 kilobytes or, you know, higher, that's a huge file. And, you know, nothing for nothing is that when you have hosting, why would you use a bigger file when it really doesn't impact the sound quality that much? be quite honest with you yeah and and but i don't know why they would but do the that. thing is it's like um and i know <clears throat> this doesn't uh, necessarily mean like inherently the best practice would be to do what you're saying john that's a best practice and that and, and also it's not necessarily just from the from the solution meaning that it's not really that big of an impact for somebody who's listening to the show like you can't really tell the difference between a 64 mono versus a 64 stereo and all that kind of stuff most people aren't going to know what the heck the the issue in terms of delivery for the listener is that if somebody is downloading a 32 megabyte file versus a 120 megabyte file or larger it's going to take longer. And there's people like me who have very limited bandwidth or very, like, it's not very fast. So when I'm like pressing something to stream and I'm at home with my crappy cellular, it's not going to come in. Like, it's going to take forever. And it's so annoying. So, and I have unlimited uh, data, which is great for me because that, because I'm, I'm, I've done that. But there's a lot of people who don't have unlimited data and downloading a gigantic file to listen to their favorite podcast is getting into the into the realm of uh, who are you serving here? If you want everybody to download this, you need to think that there's some people who can't download your gigantic file. Now, that has nothing to do with the stats change, meaning the stats change, it just happened to be that it was affecting the, the files that were being the files that were larger files were being somehow mishandled or something was happening in the way that they were being pulled, which created misinformation. So it's sort of clarified that, but it's based on that file size and other things too, because um, part of IAB also requires reporting that has to do or, or filtering that is a long sort of like the evolution of the way people are consuming content, which includes now there's a lot more streaming happening, meaning there's a lot of people who are I can't say really streaming because it's still a progressive download, which means that it calls the entire file to you. As soon as you press play on something, it looks like it's, in quotes, streaming like you're used to. But in fact, it's downloading the whole file. It's just doing it progressively. And so that's a thing. Some apps were misbehaving as well as the connectivity, let's say with me, that it's spotty, that it will send a call out to the to the file. And then all of a sudden, my internet will go away. And then it calls it out again, and then it'll go away. And then it calls it out again. So there's like misfirings like that because connectivity sometimes is sucky. So there's all of these different layers of trying to sort of clarify and make things a little bit neater so that we get a proper, true number moving more towards this uh, number, this uniform number that we can all move to because we all know we are all filtering based upon these parameters. And for some people, some people were more affected than other people. And it's heartbreaking. And there is no way to tell somebody that's been working very hard that what you thought you were working very hard around and you were looking at these numbers, all of a sudden, you have half of them gone. There's no way to break the news to people. I mean, it's, you know, and the thing is, downloads are like penises. <laughs> oh, my God. What? 
There's a drop. <laughs> no, seriously, it's like it's a. I feel there. It's an incredibly male way of of measurement, and it literally is. Mine is bigger. Mine is bigger. Mine is bigger. Now Elsie, imagine. You know, I, I've stayed quiet about your download tirade long enough. I think. Yeah. Well, no, because you. I, Here we I go. didn't have enough of a tirade. Actually, I have a lot no, more. No, you of a have. Tirade. You've had many tirades about no. downloads being like penises, just in different ways, and that you shouldn't care, and that downloads aren't a good measurement of success and engagement. It's and, not that you really, shouldn't care. But here's the thing. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm not saying that you shouldn't care. It's just that it is – I honestly feel that it's like weight. I honestly feel it's like that. If somebody comes up to you and the first conversation you get is like, how much do you weigh? That's only true if you're getting paid by the pound. No, no. That's still the conversation. It doesn't matter because you're- no, regardless of whether or not you're making money podcasting, that's the first question that, that usually comes out or that what you're wondering about that's or that you're true. ashamed about and do you that. don't want to talk about it. The only time people share their numbers is when they've hit some kind of, oh, I made 100,000 download up. Nobody else shares their numbers. Nobody shares their actual numbers. They do when they lose weight. That's such a good analogy, Elsie. I have to tell you because that's exactly how it is. When, if, especially with the weight one, mm-hmm. because when you have low download numbers, you're ashamed. Yes. Of it. But when your numbers come up, you're like, oh well, you know, I just, oh, I'm getting a thousand yes. downloads an episode. Yes. But when it's 250, you're like, well, you know, we're still growing. It's yeah, I'm still trying. I'm I'm eating well. I'm, I'm walking more. Yeah. I'm right? eating more salad. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Then all of a sudden, someone walks up to you and say, wow, you really lost a lot of weight. Oh, yeah, drop 50. You know, now all of a sudden you're like, hey, okay. So that is a great analogy. Now, here's the other thing about stats, especially with podcasters. We are addicted to stats like they are like sugar. Okay, we're addicted to We need it. We need it. So now iOS 11 came out how many days ago? Maybe I just downloaded it yesterday. Yeah, like I saw on a uh, podcast. I saw on Facebook where a guy's like, okay, I'm in Apple Podcasts. I'm trying to find my stats. Where are my stats? I can't find my stats. I want my stats. <laughs> Where are they? I need stats. They haven't been released Whoa, yet, calm down. dude. I know. Wait, what? I, it's out. It's out. I have it. It's iOS 11. out. And I need my stats. Where are I want my stats. Yeah, I mean, you're cra- people are crazy. It just came out, and they're already dro- diving into the the back end of Apple Podcasts looking for stats, and they're they're freaking. They're not there yet. So, I mean, yeah, stats. That's how we say we are successful by downloads. And and whether the show and to show the same sort of metaphor, though, just for somebody who's getting paid. It's like you're uh, like you. So you were a model, right? Or or something like that. And everybody's always asking you how how much weight have you gained? Or you're getting a little you've, you're getting a little bit more full here. We need to get you. You know, you're getting ready to go on the runway. You're making so much money, but now everybody, the only thing that you're being looked at over is how skinny you are. And okay. that message, that's it. I'm done with this. Yeah. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Let's pretend we're not podcasters <laughs> and we're out in the normal world and you meet someone for the first time. What is the first thing you ask them? Anyone? Your name? No, after that, Elsie. How you doing? How you feeling? No, after that. I don't know. What no, else? you don't. That's what I, I like. How don't ask how are you feeling? You yeah. ask, what do you do for a living? Why do we ask that? 
We want to know how much money people make. Period. This is the really? same cut. Co- yes, of course. When someone says a doctor, are you not impressed? If someone says a lawyer, are you not impressed? If someone says I'm a talent agent for Lady Gaga, you're impressed. Why? Because of how much money they make. This is why the de- That's a female thing, I think. Bullshit. Every man no. I've ever met has asked me, what do you do for a living? No. If they don't ask me first, do you work? Oh. Then they ask, what do you do for a living? Everyone does this. We all ask, what do you do for a living? And it's because we want to know how well off the other person is in comparison to how we're doing. That's where we talk about downloads. And when you want to – you're changing the subject when you say, downloads don't matter. It's about engagement. It's about this. It's about that. That's all true. I'm not going to deny that. I know that a successful podcast doesn't have to have a thousand downloads an episode. But if you want to make money doing it and that is your eventual goal, then you need to know how many downloads you have because people pay for reach. That is all they pay for. They don't pay for your engagement. Why? Because you can't measure it. But that doesn't mean it's not there. So in other words, someone like. Glenn the Geek, who doesn't, you know, I don't know how many downloads he has, but he does very well selling advertising on his own because of his reach that isn't really measurable. Would that be true or false? He's not with Lipson either at this moment, either. What? He's not with Lipson either. Glenn the Geek, who who does very well with advertising, sells his own advertising. He might not be a show that gets a lot of downloads, but he is able to sell advertising for a good amount of money because of his reach in his niche. Yes, because which of he the would not be able to sell of people that listen. He is yes, not selling but, engagement. Well, he is kind of selling no, engagement because what happens is his sponsors are buying from his show because his people are way more engaged than the average listener that's going to hear Casper mattresses and uh, Blue Apron. It's not because of engagement. It's because it's a guaranteed audience that listens, not engagement. It's still numbers and how many there are. 2,000, 3,000, they're worth getting in front of because they all dig horses. It has nothing to do with whether or not – okay, so maybe we need to redefine engagement here because engagement is whether or not – like I'm assuming you mean like – how involved they are with the show, not how engaged of listeners they are. Because all podcast listeners are engaged listeners. You basically have to be because of the way people listen. So you can't measure engagement. You assume it because of the fact that they're listening to podcasts in the first place. So when Elsie is talking about engagement, I'm assuming she means are you involved in your community and is your community involved with you? And that is – in my opinion, very important. However, many, many shows make many, many dollars without giving two flying fucks about this. For example, Katie Couric's podcast, Ira Glass's podcast. Do you really think that those people are having engaged conversations with their audience? No, they are not. They never have. They never will. They're still going to make thousands of dollars per episode because of their download numbers. So that's why we care. Because of how much money we're going to make or not make. And these podcasters, like it or not, they really want to make money with this show. Why? Because it's a lot of effing work to do a podcast. It's so much work. They Some people just want to have it pay for itself. That is a good goal. But you can't have it pay for itself with a thousand downloads an episode. No, no, no. That's only $30 per ad. It has to be like... 
I mean, let's say you're paying John $200 a month and you pay for Libsyn, which is another $50 a month. I mean, you have to make $500 a month. How many ads do you need for that? If you have, let's say per episode, you need $125. You need 4,000 downloads an episode. That's how you get your podcast to pay for itself. That's a lot of people. That is some hustle. That takes work. That takes growth. You can't just put your show out there and post it in She Podcast and tell people about it in Podcast Movement and expect it to pay for itself. You've got to hustle your buns off. And even then, if you have a really big niche like Elsie and I do, it still may not ever get that. I mean, however, you can go outside of normal advertising and get your own sponsors, which Elsie and I have done, and it has paid for itself. Like we don't necessarily charge CPM. We charge over CPM because we already know that we have the influence. But this is what Elsie and I were texting about yesterday. I don't have to go by CPM. I can sell my influence. Yes, you can, but you cannot prove it. The only way that Elsie and I can prove our influence is by the fact that John came on our show this morning and said, I might have to cut back clients. I am so overbooked. The fact that Team Podcast has come on here and done the same thing. The fact that Natalie Ekdahl, who was our advertiser, said, I filled it and then some. I can't advertise anymore. That's how you sell your influence. But not everyone has that kind of influence over their audience. And so it can be impossible to prove. And if you're going after which by the way, everyone is, you listen to big podcasts and people come to me and say, you know who would be a great um, sponsor for me? HelloFresh. I love HelloFresh. That's great, but they don't pay over $25 CPM. So even with your $4,000, that's only $100 an ad. It feels like nothing. I mean, it's small. It feels feels like nothing. So- so I mean, I mean, I I totally. It's very nice and sweet to talk about it this way, and how even more so downloads are not important. No, of course the content is important. You're not going to get it and make any money if you have terrible content. But for people, a lot of people, most people, the goal of their show is to make money at least enough to pay for itself. So I mean, now, I was just talking about that. But talking about talking about the money, like I loved the social media examiner report that he put out. In fact, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this. But cause, Me too. Um, it was amazing. Creator monetization report 2017, how bloggers, video creators, and podcasters make money. And this is what was the biggest thing that I feel I keep wanting to drive home because this is when you become powerful, not powerless. And he was basically talking about how like he, he kind of like looked at the difference between people who were actually making money, like that, that were already creators of content and they had been monetizing their stuff mm-hmm. and he talked about right. the difference of what they were doing and so podcasters for uh, over 58% of even new podcasters are making money with consulting services and selling their own products at 56% 58 and 56 those are the and then the two top ways that the most experienced content per, uh, uh, podcasters monetize that are podcasters are again these are the experience selling their own products at 62% and consulting and services at 56% not advertisement so I think that's where the power is. And that I don't think really has to do with download numbers. That has to do with other systems that have been set up around that. That's what I'm talking about because what's happening is like it's like putting all of your eggs in one basket here where it's like if some – you know, it, it's like you 
having an email list, having maybe some outreach in, ter- in terms of your uh, podcast, being able to have another way of providing support for your people that isn't just based on just the download numbers themselves. And I understand the all reach. Right. You know, that's all I'm saying. I agree. But try and remember who Michael Stelzner's audience is. People who read Social Media Examiner are almost all solo entrepreneurs and business owners. So yeah, they were probably monetizing before they started their show. They're using their show as a marketing tool for their business. That's who his audience is. So his data, while interesting about how podcasters make money, it's really about how his listener and his audience podcasters make money, not how all podcasters make money. Because if you go into like a group like Work It, where all the people work for NYC, NPR, Panoply, Gimlet, like they make money by advertising. There's and and all the storyteller podcasts, not the ones who are using it for marketing vehicle. What the hell are they supposed to do? What are they going to sell? What's their opt in? I struggle every time I talk to one of these guys. Like, oh, you want to do like a four season drama? How are you going to monetize? Uh, but da You need an audience, a big ass audience. And remember, or a very I, engaged audience, right? A very engaged audience. That why gets, would that give them anything? Okay, well, let me just explain. There's a, okay, a podcast that Jennifer Briney does. That's the Congressional mm-hmm. Dish, and yes. she doesn't take a penny from advertising. She does everything is from her content, and if you like her content, please support the show. She won't take advertising because if she takes advertising, right, it, it might use her views. She might, right? Yeah, it could skew the views. I'm not saying that the CPM model isn't a way of making money in a podcast. But it's not the only way to make money. I don't And it even... seems like – Go ahead. I'm sorry. No. Nope. I was going to say – and it seems like we're all tap dancing around here and changing things just for the CPM model, which is fine. But, again, I just think that – and, you know, if you have a show and you have that many listeners and you get that many downloads and, and you want to make money that way, that's fine. But I just think that's just one iron in the fire of – for the, monetization for the percentage of people that are monetizing in other ways bringing you know using it as a marketing vehicle wanting a speaking career or you know using it as part of their job then you're right the downloads don't matter they're never going to matter but there are certain types of shows and people who want this as a business and want their podcast to be their main source of income whether it's their a new show like i talked to a guy yesterday who's a cop he does a show for criminal you know it's a criminal justice show it's like a hundred two hundred an episode and he would like to focus on it full-time and have it be his full-time job so i said what's the end result is it just you doing the podcast and taking advertisers and we had to really like i really had to pull it out of him like are you going to travel and speak are you going to write a book like because 200 an episode is you know like it's very difficult to get advertisers unless you get them yourself which most podcasters don't want to do don't have the time to do but which i highly recommend because then you don't have to use the cpm model you can use whatever model you want you can take whatever you want as long as you're not as long as you're um, you know, going after the sponsors and explaining your draw, your benefits, you know, the benefit to advertising on your podcast by yourself. That way you can make as much money as you can lay your hands on. But the reason why the stats thing is annoying is the same reason that, you know, John said, yes, it is all trying to standardize because it's a mess right now. Trying to sell advertising in this space when everybody measures a download differently 
And by the way, that's not even the be- – that's scratching the surface of how difficult it is to quantify how much they're spending to acquire one customer because the way I price is I look at a show's downloads from a month ago. How many downloads does one episode get within a 30-day period? But I'm the only one who's doing it that exact way because Cast Plus looks at the last four episodes and does an average. And then still you have Podcast One who will give you a 45-day period and then Performance Bridge wants a 60-day period. None of it is standardized. So you're pricing – we're all pricing not just on what – differently what a download is, but how long it takes to get to those numbers. That's not standardized either, not to mention the price. Some sell at 18, some sell at 50, some sell at 30. What's the difference between all these shows? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing quantifiable. You could say that, well, we have a more niche audience or our host is more engaged. What's the difference? There's no difference between an $18 show and a $50 show except who's selling it. That's the only difference. Why is one more premium than another? It's not. That's it. So basically what they're doing is they're taking the radio model and trying to make it the same for podcasting. It's just a free-for-all right now. It's infuriating. Might not, might not be the same as radio. We don't know yet. It's still too early it's to It's not. Tell. It's not the same as radio at all. But I mean, ha- but how can I justify selling $45 CPM for one show and 20 for another? I mean – how can I put a value on on why? Because I happen to know from this person taking advertising that their ads work better than other people's ads or that they do better reads. I would love to be able to charge more, but I also know that the advertisers have a very set, you know, like Liz Kovar is a perfect example. She's doing um, care.com. I told you this. was. Didn't we talk about this last time? I think we did. Where like she's doing an, a, an ad for care.com for senior care. And she's not just going to read their points. She talked about George Washington and how he took care of his mother in the revolutionary time period and care for seniors then versus now. It's a six-minute segment, for Christ's sake. I'd love to be able to charge $45 CPM for that because it's worth it. But but care.com, they pay $25. The end. That's it. Doesn't matter how long. Doesn't matter how cool. That's it. $25 CPM or you're not on the list. So, I mean, it's like it's a – it's, and companies have to do that because of the way everyone sells it, because it's not a standardized way of selling it. If they don't have a set price and a set amount of downloads and a set, 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 you know, some kind of control over the message, it's like a, it's a, like the po- podcasters and their sellers, it's a complete free for all, which isn't fair to the advertiser, really. So it's a bit of a mess. I mean, I know you guys hate when I give you this point of view because you don't want to see the other side. You just want to be like, podcasters always get the short end of the stick. Fuck everyone else. But it's not – it can't be that simple because some of us independent podcasters have a chance at making a real living at it. But they can't do that if – you know, like, I mean, what lips, what happened with Lipson is like – all the people who are making $600 an ad are now making $400 an ad. They lost $1,000 in, in monthly revenue. And that sucks. I mean, yeah, it's good to standardize. And then it's like, well, I mean, how do I compensate? I can't just say, well, Lipson changed their numbers, but you still have to pay the same price for an ad. You don't. You can't. Just because the downloads are different. Oh, well, it's the same audience. That's probably true. It just means you were overpaying before. Can I ask a stupid question because yeah. I don't know it any better? Of course. Better? There's no stupid question. Okay, so if I host on Blueberry, do my numbers change? 
my download numbers change or is I, it just you know the, what happened with Lipson? I have a show that whose numbers changed significantly, but I'm not a Blueberry customer, so I wouldn't have gotten an email saying so. But I explained to that person yesterday, they were like, why is FreshBooks paying me 600 in January? Now it's only four. And I was like, well, your numbers aren't the same. And he was like, oh, so it's the same CPM? I'm like, yep. No, it's just me. Yep. He was like, ugh. But his show, I mean, I don't, I, because I'm not a Blueberry customer, I don't know if they had to adjust as well. I would like to assume so because his show is just as good as it ever was. Hmm. You know? I, I'm just saying, I don't know if it's to be because of the lips and whatever they use to measure it or whatever happened. Is it? Is this just a something that's a glitch that'll change back? No, no, no. It won't change back. Yet. It's not going to change back. It's a, it is a standardization. Yeah. And I think from what I could understand in some of the forums that I was reading, um, you know, Block Talk went through this in March. So they kind of did the same thing. So Block Talk shifted some of their numbers and it really hurts, you know, and and uh, I know that and then, Blueberry. And you know what happened? Those people went to Libsyn. Now they're dealing with it twice. Right. And so then. Can't imagine how pissed they are. Blueberry is also, according to Todd, he has, they've been compliant for a while. I don't know what a while is. So there's That's that. Okay. So, you know, at least as of now, there's all of these different changes and whatnot. So, yeah. And it there's no way. I guess my rant about downloads isn't about the people who are doing of course, I, I feel for the people who are actually making money in advertising already. Like, I feel that. I think that the problem for me is that there are a lot of people who really their only way and, and the, it's so attached to their ego, the download numbers are not. And I'm not again, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about making money. I'm talking about putting something out there and only measuring everything via the downloads. And I feel that there are other ways to view things than just the download numbers. You're right. But you know what, Elsie? I want you to take comfort in this, okay? The people that you're championing for do not measure their success by download. You have to know yes, that. Yes, they do. You Yes, they, no, they do. Don't. And that's my that's why I get so upset. They may feel a little bit bad, but but I think deep down they they're so wrapped in their content and their voice and the thing that they're putting out to the world and pouring their heart and soul to it. That yeah, it probably does hurt to have low downloads, but I think deep down they know they're doing something good and changing the world. The people who are obsessed with downloads because they need to make money, those are not people who have a, a voice and who are standing up for what's right and who are championing the underdog and who are changing the world. Like those people are putting out a show to crank out a buck. And and you don't really care about those people. In fact, if I had to guess, I would say all of us on this call would prefer if those people didn't have a podcast in the first place because it's probably terrible content if I had to guess. No, I just think that... Oh, come on! Be, wait, no, no, wait a minute. Let me finish what I was going to say. I just think that now podcasting and again, it, this this whole thing might start to shift because I found that since I started doing my show on Facebook Live, where we, we do our recording on Facebook Live, we get a lot more, we get a ton of engagement, social media, and in Facebook and all that, because they're seeing our show, because the people that don't even know what a podcast is, they're finding our show. They might never download it, but they're consuming our content. So is that a download? It's not. So what are we going to do? I don't know. Um, That's a reason, another reason why you should find advertisers on your own, because if you were to pitch your own sponsors, you could count it as a download. You know, mm. because you could say and, and YouTube too. like, let's just say you had a YouTube channel 
and that your same show that you're recording on audio, you're also putting on YouTube and it gets a hundred thousand hits. I mean, technically their ad would be seen, you know, a hundred thousand times. You'd have to adjust the pricing though, because the way that you listen is different. CPM for YouTube is lower because people are more distracted than they are when they're listening to podcasts. You can't have a, what you call an, um, a reclining listen. It has to be like a sit, stand up and pay attention listen for it to be worth $30. I know there's not going to be solutions to all of this conversation, but I mean, there's so many different sides. And I think that, it may, I mean, if you guys have any feedback, we're welcome. We're happy to hear your thoughts on what it all means. So we're here for you. Feedback at gpodcast.com. And uh, can't we, wait. I'm sure I'm going to get. No, I don't think it's you, dude. You are just, I mean, it's two different, completely different. I I think that everybody understands. That's the the point. It's just that I'm, you know. So, but if you do have, you know, comments, feedback at ShePodcast.com. Go ahead and send us some, and then we will do our best to give you voice. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you will hear from us in a week. But only if you agree with one of us. Only if you agree. (laughs) Well, you have three people. You have, like, three people to kind of. Agree I'm with joking. or not agree with. You don't with. have to so agree with any it. of us. But, we'll uh, so, uh, so anyway, you can email us there. You can join the group over at she podcast, uh, no, facebook.com slash she podcast slash group and then discuss it there if you'd like. Or you can, you know, what else can you do? Email us and uh, all kinds of other stuff, I guess, that you could do with us. Yes, do all <laughs> the things. Do all the things. Twitter. Shepodcast.com. Facebook, Twitter, you can check out our free courses. We do have free courses, shepodcast.com forward slash 101. When's the last time we mentioned that? I don't know, but we are getting a lot of takes on that, though. So We are, yes, so we please are. check it out. Yes. Yeah, and if you're a member of the WWSTP, you can go to the She Podcast Facebook page. You can't get into the group, but you can go to the page and comment there. Yes, correct? that's the we who stand to pee, although some of you are lazy and don't. <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious alright well I we will chat with you very soon people bye thank you guys so much for listening love you bye